Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Some people are curious, and some people are committed to Jesus. They are just committed. Some are convinced of who he is, which causes them to be committed. I wonder, why do you follow him? Where are you? Ask yourself that question, even now. Lord, where am I? Am I curious? Am I convinced? Or am I committed? Many people are following Jesus for many, many different reasons. So Jesus goes up on the mountain and he sits down and he begins to teach. Now, when Jesus sat down, you got to understand that just with Jesus sitting down, he is claiming, making a statement that he is a rabbi, that he is a teacher. Because in those days in the Jewish culture, when a teacher would teach the word, he would sit down and the people would stand which I like that idea. Matter of fact, let's just do it right now. So Jesus sits down, and out of his mouth come some very shocking words to the hearer. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, if you're taking notes, you know I encourage you to do so. The word blessed or blessed means, oh, how happy. It means fortunate. It means a blissful state of happiness. Blessed implies inner satisfaction and sufficiency that does not depend on outward circumstance. This blessing isn't subject to fate. In other words, this blessing was so concrete that no matter what your circumstances were, it couldn't be moved. You were still blessed. And so these words coming from the lips of Jesus were shocking and different than anything that they had ever heard. The word blessed, it's used 302 times in the Bible. And in various forms, Hebrew, Greek, it's used 513 times. In the Hebrew language, the word blessed is Baruch. If you walk into a Jewish synagogue, you will hear people say, Baruch Hashem Adonai Elohim, which means blessed is the name of the Lord God. If you walk into a messianic fellowship, that is a church where Jewish people have given their lives to Jesus. And now they're Christians, they're messianic Jews. If you walk into a messianic fellowship, you will hear people say, Baruch Hashem Adonai Elohim Yeshua HaMashiach which means blessed be the name of the Lord God, Jesus, our Messiah. And in the Greek language, the word blessed is makarios. 
And it's used 85 times in the New Testament. And 18 of those 85 times are in Matthew. And nine of them are in this chapter that we're looking at this morning. So half of the usage of the word blessed in the book of Matthew is right here in Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus is saying, you will be happy. You will be fortunate. You will be in a blissful state if you are poor in spirit. Notice he didn't say you'll be happy, fortunate, in a blissful state if you are rich. Although that helps. But he didn't say that. (laughs) Just kidding He said you'll be happy, you'll be fortunate, you'll be in a blissful state if you are poor in spirit. Now, in the Greek language, the word poor, they have two words for the word poor. In the English language, our language is more limited than the Greek language. The Greek language is more expansive. That's why when you hear teachers giving you Greek words, that's because in the Greek language, the Greek language is bigger than the English language. In the Greek language, there are two words for poor. One of them means you're short on cash, meaning you, which is kind of most of us, I guess, <laughs> which means you live paycheck to paycheck, you know, day to day, short on cash. The other means, and this is the one that Jesus is using, it means you have nothing at all and you're empty of anything worthwhile. You're totally destitute. You are something or someone no one would want at all. Now, the Greeks taught that this word you would never even say of a dog. You're worthless. You have nothing. To be poor in spirit means you know that you are lost, you're needy, and there isn't one thing in your life that is worthwhile. This is the word that Jesus is using. He's saying you are most blessed. When you are poor and lost and needy, the happy person sees that they are desperate and dependent on God for help. They're spiritually destitute. Now, this is pretty radical teaching coming from Jesus, because before you and I can come into a relationship with God, we must realize that we are spiritually destitute and bankrupt. We're not good. Regardless of your social standing or your wealth, regardless of how often you attend church, regardless of your knowledge of the Bible, if you're going to be saved and you are going to be born again and you're going to come into a relationship with God, you must admit that you're a sinner and without God, there is no help for you. You are lost. And if you cannot admit that, the Bible is clear. You cannot be saved. We're lost. We have nothing to give God. Why do we think that we have some kind of goodness in and of ourselves? We think that we're some trophy on God's table. And we've got something good to give God. No, we don't. We are lost and destitute. And without him, we're nothing. We have nothing worthwhile to offer him at all. The Bible's clear about that. And this, again, is some radical teaching. It's radical teaching in Jesus' day, and it's radical teaching in our day. Because the world has given you a very different message today. The world will tell you, look, if you're poor in spirit, you're a wimp. The world will tell you that if you want to succeed in life, you've got to force your way. 
The world will tell you, blessed are the movers and the shakers, the powerful and the prominent. The world will tell you the way up is up. The word will tell you the way up is down. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you or lift you up. You see, the psychology and the mindset of the Christian is diametrically opposed to the psychology and the mindset of the world. You see, the world will tell you, do what is necessary to have life. The word will tell you, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you want to save your life, you've got to lose it and then you'll find it. And so Jesus says you are most blessed when you realize that you are poor in spirit and you have nothing at all. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And God will take the totally destitute person who puts their trust in him and make him a part of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Which brings us to our next point. Point number two. Who is the happy person? Those who mourn. Those who mourn. You find that in verse four. Now, you don't have to look very far to see that there is a lot of mourning in the world today. April 19th. Just thinking about this last night. April 19th, 1995, 9.03 a.m., The Oklahoma City Federal Building was bombed, leaving 168 dead, and it left the United States in mourning. April 20th, 1999, 15 people dead as a result of the Columbine High School shooting. Who can forget? Who will ever forget? Who will ever forget? September the 11th, 4,000 people dead and missing. How sad. The world is in mourning. The war on Iraq just this year. People are mourning. But that's not quite what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about that type of mourning. I remember when I was a kid, you know how you can remember things when you were like four or five years old. And, uh, and I was telling this first and second service when I was four or five years old, this, this, this lady um, who was, you know, kind of my grandmother, if you will. She was kind of, you know, my grandmother. And, and I remember when I was a kid, four or five years old, and, and, and this lady, my, my grandmother, she, she took me to a Pentecostal church. I'll never forget this. Four or five years old, I'm in this Pentecostal church, and, and a black Pentecostal church, and, and I, I remember tearing pages out of the Bible. I, I, I just remember that, and I remember she stop tearing up that Bible, boy. And you're just kind of sitting there, and you're bored. I mean, you're in church. You're five years old. You're just sitting there, and you know, you're just doing whatever. And I remember back in those days, over to the corner, there was a bench, and there were old ladies sitting on this bench, and they called it the moaner's bench. If you remember the moaner's bench, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's just a few of y'all. That was a long time ago, y'all. It was called the Moaner's Bench. Now, on the Moaner's Bench, they always had these ladies who were dressed in white, and it was their job, I guess, to, to, to moan during the service. They would just moan and moan, oh, oh, Jesus, oh, oh, Jesus, oh, while the pastor is preaching. Now, don't try this here at Calvary Chapel. We'll have to throw you out. 
But they were just more, oh, Jesus, oh, oh, Lord, oh, oh, my gosh, oh. And the pastor's just preaching his little heart out, sweating. And they're moaning on the moaner's bench. Now, I had to do a little research. I had to find out what is the history of this. And so I, I, I discovered that the history of the moaner's bench, they would use this bench when someone became a Christian in those days. You were expected to go over to the bench and weep and mourn over your sin so people could see that there was a public repentance and confession. This was the place where you would show how weak and infallible and unlike God you were. So in those days, when you became a Christian, you'd come down front, give your life to Christ, and the pastor would send you right over to the owner's bench. And you'd have to go over there and, oh, Lord, oh, yes, I'm weak and infallible, infallible, Lord, and you're not. And the moaner's bench. Now, you notice in your Bible, Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who moan. You see that, right? He says, blessed are those who what? Who mourn. This word mourn is the strongest possible word that Jesus could use to express deep, intense anguish and brokenness over sin. This word means to stop and take a hard look at your life and say, I am spiritually bankrupt and I need to grieve over my sin, over the sin in my life. Jesus is simply saying, if you want to be a happy person, you need to be unhappy. You could translate this verse, happy are the unhappy. Happy are the unhappy? Yeah. Because when you mourn over your sin, that is when you will find grace and forgiveness. Happy are the unhappy. Now, Jesus had an incredible way. Listen, Jesus had an incredible way of taking Old Testament scriptures and applying them in the New Testament. Oftentimes, Jesus would take many Old Testament scriptures, take the idea from those Old Testament scriptures, and teach a principle in the New Testament. For example, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus would be using verses like Isaiah 61, verse 2 and 3, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Psalm 126, verse 5 through 6, those who sow in tears shall weep in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Come again with joy. That's what that means. David said in Psalm 30, verse 5, one of my favorites, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but what, saints? But joy comes in the morning. You see, life is filled with sorrow. It is. But Romans chapter 8, verse 18 tells us, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall, reveal, shall be revealed in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, God promised to comfort us during our time of mourning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Are you mourning? Someday, the Bible says, in heaven, God's going to wipe away every tear. You won't mourn forever, 
Hey, as a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that God takes the tears that you mourn and you, you shed. God takes those tears and bottles them up. In other words, he's telling you God sees, God knows, God remembers. And someday, Revelation chapter 7, verse 17 tells us, For the Lamb who was in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, lead them to living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why? Because when you come to God in truth and honesty, God will extend forgiveness, and that sorrow will lead to joy. The happy person is poor in spirit. The happy person mourns over their sin. And thirdly, the happy person is a meek person. Now, the world is short on meekness. I think we'd all agree. At the ticket counter at the airport last week, I missed my flight. I told you all about that on Wednesday night, if you were here, I had an awful time. I missed my flight and just got to preach at the Katinas like at the second, last second. It's unbelievable. God thing, God thing, but unbelievable. I get up to the ticket counter and miss my flight. I was pretty upset. I mean, you know, because, you know, the flights were all late. And then when I got there, the, the connecting flight had just taken off like in three minutes before the plane landed. And I get up to the customer service lady and I said, you tell me that they didn't know I was on that plane to make a connecting flight, and they left three minutes ago? I said, I can't believe you. I can't believe this airline. I will never fly this airline again. You have no idea. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. And she's looking at me like, really? You are? I wouldn't know it. And I said, and then, and then this guy comes up, and I calm down. And then this guy comes up. And he starts cursing out these people. I mean, horrible language. 20 years old or so. And I looked over at him and I said, dude, you need to chill out. Man, you don't need to talk like that. Well, I you know, don't know who I am and blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, the counter lady said, look, I'll have you arrested. That's what I'll do and have you taken away. I looked at that situation. I thought, you know, the world is short on meekness. Short on meekness. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking meekness is weakness. You know, people think, oh, Jesus, he was meek and mild and weak. Jesus was not weak. Now, when you look at the Bible and you see he got a rope and he went into that temple and he started whooping folks. He turned over tables and said, you get out of here. You make my father's house a place of merchandise. My father's house shall be a house of prayer. And he drove those people out of there. Meekness, Jesus was meek, but he was not weak. What is meekness? Meekness, if you're taking notes, you write this down. Meekness is power under constraint. Meekness means you have the power, but you control that power. It's almost like if you had a really fast car. And you're driving along, just kind of cruising along at a nice speed. But you got a really fast car. You're not putting the pedal to the metal. Because if you were, you'd be taken off in power. You, you have the power. You're just choosing not to exercise it. That's the idea with meekness. It's power under constraint. Meekness, the Bible teaches, is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. 
Strong's Concordance tells us that meekness towards God is a disposition of the spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. So whatever God does, whatever God chooses to do, the trials that he sends in your life, the Bible teaches you are being meek when you accept those trials. You're being meek when you don't take revenge on people who hurt you. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Bible says, as much as possible, live peaceable with all men. I like that. The Bible says, as much as possible. Because some folks, you just can't get law with them. Some Christians are really hard to love. Have you noticed that? It was Chuck Swindoll who wrote this poem, and I love it. He says, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. (laughs) That's true. Some people are just difficult to get along with. The Bible says we're to be meek. A classic example of someone who is meek is Joseph. You know that. When his brothers mistreated him, he could have killed them, but instead he forgave them. Power under constraint. And Jesus, as I said, who was meek. Most certainly God in the flesh came down to the earth and he took the abuse and the suffering. People ripping out his beard and pressing the crown of thorns on his head and nailing his hands to the cross and lifting him up. Do you know with one word Jesus could have called angels from heaven to come and deliver him? But he didn't. Why? Because he was meek. He had the power. And in an autobiographical statement of Jesus himself, he says in Matthew I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus was meek. Power under constraint. You want to be happy? Lastly, the Bible says a happy person will passionately desire, our last point, a righteous life. He will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the Bible says he shall be filled. This is a picture of a person who is really hungry for something that can't be satisfied with a snack. You ever feel that way? Like you eat something, and it's like, oh, I got a taste for something, man. It's a taste for something, you know. Chocolate satisfaction ice cream. I got a taste for something. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. And, uh, and uh, chocolate satisfaction, or just whatever. You eat something, and you go, yeah, that was good, but it didn't quite hit the spot. I, I need something more. I have a hunger for something more. That's what this picture is. You see, the Bible says we Christians need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Christians hunger for many things nowadays, for success and for happiness and for things. Things don't satisfy. The Bible says you ought to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It was Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. You want to be filled? You got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God wants us to have a desperate hunger for righteousness. That song we sing, breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me, and I'm desperate for you, and I'm lost without you. You see, that's what God wants from his people. He wants us to be desperate for him. 
You know, it was David who said pretty much the same thing in Psalm 42, verse 1. He said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after thee, O God. You see, only God can satisfy the thirst and the hunger of the soul. You see, here's the key to life. Here's the key to life. It's as simple as this, you guys. Simple as this. If you seek to be happy and you seek to live for happiness, you will never find happiness, Madonna, or anyone else. But if you seek to be holy, you will find happiness. You see, holy people are happy people. People who have given their lives to God and said, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want to do, God, work in me. God, move through me. Happy people are holy people. Happy people are people who are poor in spirit. God, I humble myself before you. I'm poor in spirit. God, I have nothing to offer you. And Lord, I mourn over my sin. I realize I'm a sinner. And God, I know that's why you died for my sin. And Lord, I'm meek and I'm humble. I'm not exalting myself. God, I want you to lift me up. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.